This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the non-profit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Dayton Ward, author of a whole bunch of Star Trek novels, and you're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I'm joined once again with my host, Brandy Jackala. How are you, Brandy? I'm fine, Patrick. How are you on this day? I'm doing good. And thank you for saying my name because I always forget to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm here for you. I got your back. Awesome. And, and, <laughs> and I'm also joined by my other co-host, Brandy Seamus Holla. Brenda, how are you? Why did you say Brandy's name first? Because I wanted to. Ladies first. I feel left out. Ladies first. That's okay. It's almost always you first. Okay, that wasn't quite as funny as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. I don't know. I was just trying to be silly, and I guess it falls flat. I don't know. Oh, well. Obviously, I'm not on my game tonight, so. No, they just. People have missed all the good stuff already. Yeah, and they will never hear Mm -hmm. it. Nope. But uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited for tonight's episode. Uh, you know, this is an idea that we had that's inspired by some recent Earl Grey episodes. So, uh, yeah, Patrick, why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight? So, tonight we're going to talk about Fathers of Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, w- tell us about them. Who's, who's the father? Tell them. Oh, wait, we who, should probably do some father? feedback first. We, we do feedback first, right? <laughs> do we do me? that I'm not still? even running the show and I'm trying to organize everything. Is that, a, is that a thing? Well, that's why we're out of sorts now, because you're trying to run it. I'm sorry. Look oh. at me messing everything up. Oh, boy. I think I'm just going to stand over here. Okay. So do we have any feedback, Brandon? We do, actually, from our last episode that was released, uh, which was our episode on Frankenstein. And Corey Elrod says, Frankenstein is one of the first movies I remember watching. I still have my VHS copy. I went as Frankenstein, technically his monster, for Halloween several times as a kid. It's still one of my favorite movies. I have read the book a handful of times. I always enjoy it, too. Out of curiosity, will y'all cover The Exorcist? Phlox mentions it in Doctor's Orders. I would have liked to have seen his his face while watching it. And, uh, yes, absolutely, we are going to be covering The Exorcist on a future episode. And uh, I'm curious because, you know what, every time I've watched that movie, I've fallen asleep. So I've never That's been able a great to, song. Yeah, I've never been able to make through make it through that movie. Mm, it's a movie as old as I am. Tale as old as time. 
Beauty and the Exorcist. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that, that's how that went. Oh, but uh, I also dressed up as Frankenstein's monster for Halloween a couple of times. Yeah, I never did. I, I never did. No. No. I dressed up as Elvira a few times. Did you? Well, she's inspired by Bride of Frankenstein, isn't she? Uh, yes and no. The hair is different. Yeah. But, and also, the uh, costume is very uh, much more... Um, tighter? You see my hand gestures. Yeah. Yes, tighter in the, in the, yeah. the listeners muscular don't pectoral know. region. Well, doesn't she also have like a crazy waist? Like Her waist is like my pinky toe. Oh, it's not that small. No, my toe's just that big. I don't know. He's got a big toe. <laughs> you know what they say about guys with big toes? They say, damn, he's got some odd-shaped feet. We're going all over the rails today. Welcome to Warp 5. <laughs> Patrick is your so, host today. Welcome, I'm boomers. So sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Okay. All right. Yeah, that got out of here quick. I hope you guys are enjoying our uh, our movie series. You know, the episode of Frankenstein was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward very much to doing Bride of Frankenstein. That'll be coming up in just a few more weeks. I haven't seen it in a very long time, and I've only seen it once before. So it'll be interesting to revisit it. Yeah, I'm excited because I haven't seen it ever. So Never? It'll be nice to see. I've never seen it. No. I've never seen any of the Frankenstein movies before doing it for the last show. So. Okay. Cool, cool. Right on. Yeah, be yeah that's all we had for dis- for comments. Yeah, that was a light commented episode. And we didn't have any star reviews this week, right? No, not this week. Oh. Come on, guys. Get out there and okay. give us a review, please. So I guess at that point, we should just get on to our topic, right? Which we already said was fathers of Star Trek Enterprise. Meaning people who were fathers of characters in Star Trek Enterprise, not the people who wrote the show. And uh, the reason why we're doing this episode is because on Sunday it's going to be Father's Day. As we're recording this on the the fourth of June, but uh, the day after this gets released, or two days after this gets released, is Father's Day. For our first father, we're going to talk about Mister Sato. Now that's Hoshi's dad, who we don't actually see because he's just a figment of her imagination, I guess, a dream, however you want to word that. So, what's your thoughts on that, Brandon? Well, my initial thought is the way that he's representative. So we see him in the episode Vanishing Point. So this is the episode when Hoshi's, you know, she goes through the transporter and she thinks she's disappearing. And it's this whole, you know, oh, I'm not important enough kind of episode for her character. And, you know, it's dealing with her confidence as a as a crew member. And, uh, yeah, we see this interesting dream sequence where Jonathan Archer's talking to her dad on the monitor. And... He's a little bit confused with the information that Archer's relaying to him about Hoshi Sato's death. And I've always wondered, is this one of the things, like, my kids were playing one. Like, okay, let me go to this. I, I haven't seen them do it for me, but if anybody watches Peppa Pig out there, right? You know, they're like, the kids are playing, and they're playing in their house, their dollhouse, and they make the dolls talk. And, you know, kids usually do things like they, when they hear their parents talk, and they're like... Oh, Daddy Pig, did you eat all the cake again? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so clearly that's something they've heard. And I'm like, I'm sure my kids do that with me and my wife, you know, when they play toys and dolls. And I'm like, so is this one of those things where she's like, this is actually something that her dad said and how her dad acts? Or is this like part of her lack of confidence and, you know, part of the dream bizarreness? I don't know. It's weird because... I don't know. It just seems weird. Maybe it's just the responsibility of the fact that he's 
dealing with the loss of his daughter that he's just not coping. You know, I don't know. He, it's just... He's, I think he's rejecting reality in as far as the reality as it's been set forth in this dream sequence. And it's like any parent. No parent wants to hear that their child is dead. And the way that Archer is phrasing it does not help. Mm-hmm. And so he just, um, you know, he's just like, you lost her? <laughs> you know, are you going to find her? Basically, you know, he's just, it's like he can't accept what those metaphors mean. Right. You know, he will, he refuses to accept that Archer is saying, oh, she is dead. Right. And it's weird. Okay, so I'll relate it something to my life here. So it's something my stepdad said once, that, and it always throws me off. And it was early on, like, after my mom married my stepdad. And my mom and I are both allergic to cats. And he had a cat named Boo Boo, right? So in order for us to move in with him and whatnot, he had to get rid of the cat. So my mom gives him this stuffed animal, and she like, and it, like, has a name tag on it, and she writes on it, right? And, like, the R didn't quite look like an R on it. And she wrote Boo Boo Jr., right? J-R. And so she gives him this stuffed animal for a present. And he's like, Boo Boo Ja? <laughs> right? And it's like, really, dude? Like, you obviously know that it says Junior when you had a cat that said Boo Boo was the cat's name. And she gives you a toy cat that says Boo Boo something. Like, you can... Ja. Boo Boo Ja. And I remember that. This was like 20-some years ago that he said this <laughs> at a Christmas. And I still remember this. And thinking, like, really, dude? Like, come on. I don't know. So that's what I think of when I hear it. I'm like, what do you mean you lost her? It's like, ah, oh, boo-boo ja. <laughs> We're going to use that now for someone just willfully misunderstanding. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to add to any of that. I, I don't know. I, I didn't really particularly, I don't know. It's all fake. So to me, it, it doesn't really matter how he reacts. Because mm-hmm. it's in her head. So I guess I never really thought of it the way you did, saying that these were things that, like, Possibly she had heard him say, and she was just filling in the gaps, mm-hmm. so so to speak. But it does it, it does make sense that it would be like a Peppa Pig episode, which is frustrating to watch in and of itself. What I love Peppa but, Pig. Peppa Pig's hilarious. Oh, Pe- Peppa Pig's. We can go into a whole episode about how bad Peppa Pig is for kids. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> so it teaches kids just don't listen to your parents. There's no real consequences. That's all kids shows. No, 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 not anyway. necessarily. Okay, but move, this is not a Peppa Pig podcast because I'd shoot myself. <laughs> the whole cat thing comes full circle, though, now, doesn't it, Brandy? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I would recommend The Amazing World of Gumball. There's a more interesting cat for you whose yes. best friend is a fish. Yes. A fish that yes. has grown legs, and Gumball his name is, is Darwin. Get it? I get it. It's really it's so, adorable and highly addictive. Okay, whew, that was one train rail. Sorry. So, anywho, yeah, I don't know. I, I never really gave much thought to the episode. I, I, it's not that I disliked the episode. I just never gave much thought to it because, in the end, he's not real. Well, I demand that you think about it now. Okay. What do you, you think? Want, you you think that's her? We'll come back later. Do you think that's her interpretation of her experiences with him, or do you think this is just a dream that doesn't make sense? No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't believe dreams just don't make sense. So I'm going to say that it has to be something of an interpretation of him. Right. So, like, how do we picture this guy being a father if he's like this, you know, where he just can't comprehend these little things, these little... I don't... No, I... See, I don't know if that's a fair assessment of him being a father because 
you would be in utter shock to find out your your younger child had died. Mm-hmm. So yeah. not not being able to comprehend little things, I don't see as a necessarily a negative to his character. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't see it as not being able to comprehend, but not being willing to comprehend. Yeah, like almost playing stupid. Yeah, just being willfully ignorant because he does not want to hear that his daughter is dead. So he just willfully does not comprehend. Yeah. Right, like if, if Brendan, like if you were to come to me and say, hey, look, uh, we lost your daughter, sorry. Oh, so now you're going to find her though, right? Well, no, no we, we lost her. Right, so you're gonna go back out there and you're gonna find her. You never, you, they never said the word "die" to him, right? Okay, no. remember it. So he, in his head, he can twist that so that she's not dead yet. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I said the way the archer is phrasing it is not helping the situation. <laughs> right, but, but okay. Isn't that so really then, is the this point? more Hoshi unwilling to accept that maybe she's dead? Yes, yes this is a dream yes. sequence. Okay, I, yes. I agree or with maybe. That assessment. More, more, more accurately, maybe it's that Hoshi unconsciously or subconsciously knows she's not dead. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it, dun, it would have been dun. weird to see, or neat to see at least, if we would have got something with her actual parents. Like, even when they went back to Earth, you know, at the end of Season 3, start of Season 4 there, um, you know, some kind of uh, episode with her family. Yeah, it would have been cool, but they didn't give her much, mm-hmm. unfortunately. No, they really didn't. I mean, they even showed Malcolm's parents at one point. Come on. Hoshi can't have a parent's interaction here? Come on. Yeah, but unfortunately this... Uh, <clears throat> sorry. This season didn't... No, season. This series didn't lend itself to parents really at all. Mm-hmm. They talk about them, but you don't see much of them. Except mm-hmm. for Dr. Flox. And to Paul, but... <laughs> Well, Doctor Flox is a father. He has three children. Mm-hmm. True, and but you see, her, I mean, you also see, yeah, but you don't see his parents, right? No, I mean, or technically, if you want to get technical, we're going to go into it later. But Trip is a parent, right? True. So you see him, but not in a father. You don't see them in their father roles. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump to our next one here, because yeah, I don't think we have much more to say on uh, Mister Sato. No, I think that's about it. So our sec- the second one we're going to go into is Travis Mayweather's father, who they just call May- Captain Mayweather. They don't really get into it. He was in our Earth Cargo, uh, service command- commanding officer of the e- ECS Horizon, with his wife, Rihanna Mayweather. He was the father of Paul and Travis Mayweather and a daughter, unnamed daughter. Okay. So Travis has a sister that we've never seen? Apparently so. What? So was that mentioned in Horizon? You know, I just watched it, and I don't remember them saying it. The brother's obviously in it big, and the mum's in it, but I don't remember them mentioning it at all. They could have, and I just forget. Well, obviously it was mentioned in such an offhand way that it wasn't memorable. Maybe he just mentions at one point about that he has a sister, right? It could be that, too. Could be yeah, he could was be... writing to her or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been anywhere, but I don't ever remember hearing him say that or that coming up either. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it's it's on memory alpha, so it could be wrong. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's got to be right. I've read it on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, but that's what we got for him. And uh, oh, here we go. So, so, what do you th- hold on one second. I just looked it up here. So, Travis was later writing a letter to his sister when he was discovered to have died. 
So uh, Malcolm received, discovered the unsent letter in his quarters where Travis had mentioned it in his, to his sister that Captain Archer had canceled breakfast with him. And that was in the episode Dead Stop. Right. Okay. I don't remember it at all. But okay, I believe I you. Do, I actually remember it now because I really like Dead Stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like the episode. I don't remember that part. But hey, you know, yeah, it's right. Yeah. Which is weird because in Fortunate Son, they say that the sister and her husband lived on the Fortunate, or on the Horizon, sorry, uh, in 2151 along with her husband, but then we don't see them in Horizon, so. Yeah, it is weird. I guess in, by 2152, they had left the Horizon. They just consider them left. Yeah, they could go anywhere. So they're mad at so, him, so, but not mad at his sister. Well, maybe they went off to go on their own cargo sister. ship. Should you be. don't know. Sounds like a maybe novel. They went to be boomers somewhere else. Yeah, who knows? So, okay, what do you think of that? What do you now? We kind of touched on it, but really, the main um, character trait we find out about Mayweather, Captain Mayweather, is that he's mad at Travis for leaving. No, he, right? I don't That's got the, the impression that he was mad. His brother was mad, but I didn't get the impression oh, that his father right. was mad. Like I think his father was proud of him, and he's one of those people who has a tough time expressing his emotions. You know, when when Archer talks about that letter. Right, he's like all that we got. All that I got was a recommendation from your dad that says he was the most natural stick and rudder man I've ever met in my life, and you'd be a fool not to hire him. So he doesn't mince right, words. Right. He's one of those people that doesn't. I, I get the impression doesn't like to show his emotions very well. You know, he likes to keep them bottled up. You know, one of those manly men kind of people. Well, what I like about it too is in that letter you get the the feeling. I mean, maybe it's because we know Travis or whatever, but you get the feeling that. He's not saying it just because it's his son, right? Like this is this. If this was anyone else's kid, he would have said the same exact thing mm-hmm. in his recommendation letter, which I find honorable. But that's Agreed. also interesting because of how Travis's personality is. Because Travis is such a bubbly, happy, optimistic kind of guy, you know. And that's what I like about his character is that he's he's probably the most optimistic character in all of Star Trek. You know, he's always looking for a positive angle. You know, this is my impression of him. He's always happy. You know, he's always friendly. And right. I, I think he's the most optimistic person. So does that fit with a with a father that doesn't show emotions that deeply? You know, I don't know. Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, you're not always identical to your father, so. No. And maybe you know, he's that way in spite of his father. Could be. Well, no. I, not not, yes. not as in an anger thing. I'm not saying that. I'm just No, no, I, I agree. Yeah. But maybe there was a part of Captain Mayweather that was happier than showed in the letters. Because it's possible that he didn't want to make the letters too over the top either because then it looks like he's favoring his son and maybe they ignore the letter completely, right? But, mm. you know, you have his brother who's really mad at him for leaving and then him who's ultra bubbly it seems like the brother kind of gets mad quickly right that really upset him that much Mm -hmm. and so maybe this was the two brothers took completely different perspectives from the father Yeah, you know maybe no fault to the father but one went one way to an extreme and Travis went the other way yeah I think there might be a certain amount of jealousy in that as well because, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Paul, I think, wanted to be as brave as Travis was by leaving because that was, you know, 
he'd been on that ship his whole life and he decided he wanted something different. And so he joined Starfleet and Paul never had the wherewithal to determine what he wanted outside of what he was raised to do. And so when he becomes captain of the ship after their father's death, he becomes even more aggressively angry at Travis, almost as if he wanted something different, but he was the good son and he stayed behind and now he feels like a martyr. I don't know. That's just kind of the feeling I got from Paul. Mm -hmm. So now, okay, so I'm not sure of this, so I'll just ask, what order... Were the sons born in? Do we know if Travis was the older or younger brother? Uh, I I got the impression he was the younger, but I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I also got the impression that he was younger. No, the the whole reaction seems that way, but I just wanted to know if they made it clear. And uh, I can't remember if they did, probably because they didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, right? <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So, so if we logical. assume maybe he's the middle child... Right, maybe the the daughter came last. Could yeah. be, yep. Or or was she first, and then, you know, the, then Paul has the middle child syndrome anyway, so he's gonna be madder about his, the youngest brother leaving. Watch what you say about middle children, there. Buddy. Someone's a middle child here. <laughs> 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 they should know what middle child syndrome is then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Never having your own identity. That's what middle child syndrome is. But that's true. But isn't that the problem Paul has? That's true. That's true. Isn't that exactly the problem he has? He just does what everyone expects and doesn't do what maybe he wants to do. And he just follows in his father's footsteps. And guess what? It doesn't work out well when you do stuff like that. I can tell from experience. No, not usually. I mean, so if you want to do that in life, that's one thing, but Yeah. But I'm just It doesn't seem like he wanted to do that and then exactly. like you said that doesn't work out. Yeah, well, then that's the thing. Never do the things that people expect you to do simply because they expect you to do them. That's not a way to live your life. Right. Right. If you do that, you end up like an electrician or something. Yeah. <laughs> or an office manager. Yeah, exactly. See? <laughs> or Brandon. Or me. <laughs> or me. Well, let's move on to our next character here. Let's talk a little bit about Phlox as a father, because uh, he's got some in- interesting information here. Uh, Memory Alpha says Phlox had three wives. Each of, with, had, uh, each of his wives had three husbands, including Phlox, which resulted in a total of 720 relationships. 42 of which had romantic possibilities, or all of them, I guess, possibly. Um, There were 31 children in the extended family, and he had five children of his own, three sons and two daughters. So he said at one point that his poor singing of Denobulan lullabies made them all cry. Well, not all of them, some of them, I guess. but um, And they all left before his assignment to Enterprise. But uh, I think the best episode that we get an idea of him being a father is in The Breach, when he's talking about the um, dealing with the alien culture and his grand, what is a grandmother? I think it was that mm. that was you know that all this racism that had been passed down from generation one generation to the next, and how he tried to not pass that on to his children. You know, right, right. He made a conscious effort to to break the the cycle at that at that point, right. 
I, I can't remember the name of the species. I'm going to keep looking it up here while we're talking here. But uh, we didn't get to see him as a father. We just got to hear about him. We got to see him a little bit with Sim. With Sim? Because he was taking care of Sim. Sim basically lived in the infirmary for most of his life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's true. It's, he, it was kind of like a, uh, a surrogate yeah, and I, child to him. I think it's really adorable because John Billingsley, the actor, of course, who plays Phlox, he does not have children, but he was very natural in picking up a real live baby and, and the way he was talking about it. It's been a long time since I've had a newborn, mm-hmm. yes, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, that's that was actually very natural, and I would have believed that he was a father, mm-hmm. so I did believe that he was a father. He convinced me. The Antares. knew how to... Antarans. Yeah, the Antarans were the alien species. So, you know, like, I, I don't know. That's something that I try and do. Like, I've got, you know, bearing my heart here, like, I've got my own issues, you know, with, with the way that I was raised, you know, like, not with my parents and stuff, but just, like, stereotypes that I was exposed to as a kid and, you know, things that people said. And so, you know, I've got certain racist feelings that I have in my heart, and I do my best to make sure that I don't pass it on to my children. Like, I don't talk about those things, you, you know, and... And I like, I don't want my kids to grow up with that. So like that, that scene in that episode really strikes a chord with me because that's how I try and raise my kids. And I try very, very well. And we talk about it quite frequently. We talk about racism and stuff. And, you know, my daughter goes to a school with a lot of multicultural kids and there's people from all over the world at her school. And, you know, we talk to her about certain things and I tell her, you know, there are people on the planet that believe other people aren't as good as them simply because of the color of their skin. And, and, you know, we don't believe that and, you know, we don't condone that. And we, you know, there was other people who were bugging Aubrey because of her beliefs in religion. And we say, you know what, don't, you don't reciprocate those kinds of things. You know, we don't, we don't want to provoke it. We don't want to antagonize it. We don't want to tease people because of what they believe, you know? So it's something that we've strongly taken a heart in our family raising and, you know, so that, that episode strikes a chord with me very much. It it does. It's actually one of my favorite Flocks moments is mm-hmm. that episode. Uh, well, the whole his whole performance in that episode. It's not like it's a moment, but it's one of my favorite character development moments for Flocks. Yeah. But really, that's the essence of Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when it all boils down, that was what Star Trek was meant to be. So to have a character such as this to be... Showing it in that way, that's really what what this is all about to begin with. Mm-hmm. All right, so our next father is uh, it's from the episode actually E squared because that whole ship is actually descendants in some way, shape, or form of uh, Enterprise characters, mm-hmm. the Enterprise personnel. So, and and more more importantly, actually, Trip is actually one of the fathers in this episode, and uh, we end up seeing his son. Please, someone say that name. Lorian? Is that it? Yeah. I'm terrible with names, let me just hey, tell you. just like Back to the Future, man. DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've now you see ruined his son, it. Yep. You see his son, the DeLorean. Doors open this way. No. So, but in well, that episode, we see ears. his son. He does. <laughs> Maybe he could fly. I don't know. Now that should be the stinger. Oh. Well. I think we just recorded it. So... So, so, but in the episode E squared, we see Lorian, who is Trip and T'Pol's son. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So what do you think, knowing what we know of Lorian, what do you think of how Trip was as a father? Brandy. I think that I. it seemed to me like Trip died younger than he should have. Um, they're not really super clear on that. And so I feel like uh, Lorian didn't have as much time with him as he would have liked. He did say that he was a good father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think that Trip would be a great father. And especially from everything that he's learned through those seasons of uh, Enterprise, I think he would make a very good father. Uh, he just never got the chance in the real timeline, in air quotes. Yeah. So I I would have liked to have seen an actual, you know, relationship that produced a, uh, through love, a, a child, and a child that was wanted and desired. And uh, I think that Trip would have been a stellar dad, especially with the, also the reaction in um, Terra Prime that uh, his, his grief at losing this child that he knew very little about, but he knew that was his child. His grief was really intense. And I think that that emotional base would have made for a very caring and decent father. Yeah, I agree. You know, I've got a story idea in my head, like that I would like to write and I don't know where I would put it or whatever, but you know, uh, copyright June 4th, 2018. But, mm-hmm. you know, what I would like to see as a story is a post-Terra Prime story where Trip, in dealing with his grief over the loss of his daughter, Elizabeth, learns that he would like to be a father. And actually, I don't remember the alien race, the Zerillians. He goes back to that Zerillian. He tries to find that Zerillian from season one in Unexpected. And to try and find that child that he has with that with that woman. And what I think would be a better story, because it's not cliche, you know, because we, we see so many cliche stories about the father who was away and the kids are mad at the father for being away and, you know... What about a story where the kid understood what happened, you know, and was accepting of his father wanting to come back and meet him? And I don't know, I, I, I've i had that story idea in my head for a while, and I, I would kind of like to write that story at some point, where he, he decides that he wants to be a father and wants to get involved in this child's life after he's season had Season 5 writer's room. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah, there you go. We could do that. There you go. It's season 5 writer's okay. room. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So. Hint, hint. Where could I possibly write that? Wink, wink. <laughs> that was the first thing that came to mind. It's like, oh, he has a story idea. This sounds like it could fit into our season five. Yes, yes. We have to do 24 of those. 24. Oh, wow, yeah. 24. I think this episode shows that Trip was actually a great father. And one of the reasons why is Lorian is so hell-bent on doing the right thing for Archer because of his love for the captain, that he could only have learned that through Trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a fault because he's doing all the wrong things, but, you know, in the, until he finally realizes it's the wrong things. But I think that, to you know, that it shows that Trip taught him, I feel it, Trip taught him loyalty to Archer because yeah, that of couldn't Trip's have come loyalty to Archer. It could have. I don't. I don't think that's what the writers intended, though. It couldn't have come from Reed? 
Não. <risos> ok. Screw Reed. Oh! <risos> Poor Malcolm. Yeah, that is bad. I'm sorry. It didn't come from Reed, though. It either came from T'Pol or Trip, but I think it came from Trip because that kind of um, dedication is just a lo- it's not logical. And yet T'Pol has it. Yes, but not to the same intensity. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think so. I, not to, not to the point of actually. I don't know. Not it just doesn't seem like it would have came to from to Paul. It seems more like a trip. It seems more emotional than anything else. True. Although her drug addiction went crazy, so this is an episode about dads. <laughs> <laughs> when we do an episode about moms, we'll give her credit. Sounds okay, good. Then. Which we will do at some point. We're not ignoring the Mother's Day one. We just came up with this idea after Mother's Day. So. Yeah. Now, to be fair, didn't Archer also have a granddaughter on this ship? So technically, he's a dad too. Yes. Because you can't uh, be everyone a, can't be a granddad without yes. having been a dad. Well, apparently, everybody Te- except Reed was a father on that ship. Yes, he kind of like they dies or something. I mean, they, do they give an explanation on why he doesn't have any kids? No, he just he didn't just, have a woman. There wasn't just nobody loved him. Nobody <laughs> like, loved him. Like he waited way too long to try and date someone. Is that what happened? Probably. My guess is that it would. He would have found that it was interfere with his duties too much. <laughs> oh, I, see now I feel bad for saying that, screw him. Oh, that as poor one guy. Should. He no, I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy risked everything to not have a wife. Well, I, I, I give a spoiler for the novels, something that happens with Reed in the novels here. So if you don't want to hear this in the post-finale novels. Uh, but, Patrick, put your headphones back on. In, I don't uh, want to hear it. I haven't read it. <laughs> in the post-finale novels, he can't have kids because of uh, uh, something has happened to his body because of going through the transporter so many times. And therefore, he can't have kids for Reed. Interesting. Yeah. But now, but they say in the episode that he never found anyone, right? Or they at least into it very strongly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, we didn't really see Archer. Like, we saw the result of Trip being a father, and so that's why we're talking about him. Like, we would uh, would have to talk about everybody having kids in that episode, and we just would have time. Yeah, well, we we saw his granddaughter briefly, and she had a short conversation with him, and that's all we get of that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Lorian is much more involved in the story. Yeah, we... We see very much of Lorian, and I think it's fair to say that it would seem that, at the very least, considering the circumstances, all of the parents did a fairly good job at being parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They they don't talk about any kind of huge mutinies or craziness that happened. True. So they gave them a mission, and they kind of just kept going on to the point where they finally get back to running into the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After failing to stop the Zindi weapon. Yes. So, they, that, that, yeah, because that was their mission. If they couldn't stop it to make sure that the other Enterprise did. Right, well, hey, it's not only one shot to stop it. They got multiple shots because of the way this whole Yeah, because if they failed, you know, and they went back in time again, it would just be an uninterrupted loop until someone got through that corridor, that transwarp corridor. Right. And... uh and didn't die. But I must say, yes. And I must say that, Brandon, you totally ruined this episode for me when you told me that if you watch the episode, there's only one ship and then magically there's two that yeah. ruined everything. Sorry. 
Thanks. I apologize. Did you watch Sorry. it again for this? Nope. Oh, but yeah. I don't yeah, want to ever see that. No, I'm never. It's out of my rewatches. No, I'm kidding. So I ruined North <laughs> Star. No, I just didn't. I ruined East. I just didn't have time. What else? No, yeah, you. Um, I think that's it, right? Okay, well, that sounds about two. Uh, that's two percent of the series. Yeah, I mean, you'll, I'm sure you'll go deeper. Yeah, I'll ruin some more later on. I'm sure. <laughs> I look forward to it. So I guess that's all we can talk about with Trip, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. They don't show enough of his actual interactions with his kid. We can only go off of how Lorian turned out. And I think, considering everything that's going on, he turned out pretty okay. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, he's a psychopath in the beginning, but, eh, you know. Having the whole fate of the world on your shoulders might do that to somebody. True. That's fair. (laughs) You know? So. All right, so we're going to change gears really hard now and do Charles Tucker II. Ooh. Trip's dad. Yeah, we didn't change much. I get it. I teased that bad. Yeah, we didn't. We, we actually, didn't really know much about him. It was just again another character that was just dialogue. But yeah, but we do see information about him in Fusion, First Flight, E, E Squared, and these are the voyages. True that. Uh, I, we I, also I, find out that he's the one who in who encouraged him to become an engineer. That they, that comes out in similitude. Yeah. Um, while experiencing the crossing. Trip uh, relived ra- raking leaves with his father when he was nine years old in the crossing. Oh, he's yeah. actually mentioned quite a bit. We uh, we actually learn not a lot about the father, but he's brought up often. So I think that that means that he's got a kind of a positive influence on him, on on Trip that we know, right? Because yeah. y- you know you don't necessarily have to be a good father in order for your child to turn out good. Like, you know, kids can turn out good even though they've got a bad parent or two bad parents, right? And vice versa. You can have two good parents can end up with just a miserably terrible bad kid. Yes. And, you know, know, it's... So that's not not an indication. But I would say that generally, if you've got good parents, you end up with good kids. You know, maybe, I don't know. I'm not even going to give a percentage, but, you know, I'm sure the majority of the time no, is an influence. Look, it definitely puts it in the right direction, right? Yes. Right. So, um, it's not nothing's a, a hard, fast rule. I'm sure that doesn't change in, you know, 2152 that there are exceptions to every rule. But uh, it does seem that the way they, they bring Charles Tucker II into it, that uh, Tripp has very fond memories of his father. Mm-hmm. They're not negative memories. They're not just kind of memories of him there. They're fond ones. I mean, uh, Trip reliving, raking leaves with his father. That's not something you'd do if you hated your father. Right. Yeah, he's Truth. talking about it in a positive light. So, so. It's, a, it's a little bit unfortunate. I wish we would have seen more of this, of the, any of these fathers, really, actual interaction with their kids, but I think they do a good job of... of portraying his father in a good light in this and uh also we know he has at least one other son right he was considered to be eccentric though and oh and we find out that's right we find out that when trip looks at Lorian, he sees his father in him which is another thing because even if that's not true that his eyes because it was his eyes that that bore a close resemblance to the father even if that's not true sometimes you just see that in people but if Trip didn't like his father, if he didn't have a good relationship with his father, he wouldn't see it. You know, it would be a purposeful ig- uh, ignorance. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think that's that's true. Like I see my I see my mom in Esri, my daughter Esri. You know, I think my daughter Esri looks a lot like my mom, but you know, I I think it's there. My wife doesn't see it, but I do. But maybe it's because it's my mom, right? That I see it. So, right. I mean, my son is the spitting image of my father, but that's not saying much because I was the spitting image of him. So that that Devlin gene just kind of carries down real strong. Yeah. yeah. That poor kid. He's going to look like this one day. <laughs> but beyond that's that, I mean, I don't have you. much to say about Charles Tucker the second. So, I mean. No, there's not much, but I thought he deserved a mention because Trip is such an influential character throughout the series. And he is brought up. Probably the most out of any of the fathers. Right. And if we didn't they mention him, we'd, we'd have a Babel Conference comment, and then we'd have to do a whole episode just on him. <laughs> right. And there's not nearly enough information about just him. And yet, that's the interesting thing about this is he's mentioned so often with so little actual information. Right. But look at the way his son turned out. He's the engineer on the very first starship to go out into deep space. He's an ex- His son is an extremely loyal person to... To Captain Archer, he's, you know, uh, he seems very honorable and, and someone that I would definitely trust with my life if I was on a starship. So, in my opinion, Chris Tucker II did a great job. Mm-hmm. I I can go with that. I'll drink to that. Did you say right, Chris well, Tucker? Did I? <laughs> Charles Tucker. Chris, too. I like Chris. Love George Chris. Tucker was a good guy. <laughs> did I? Did I say that and... I did I may Brandon have just drink heard it. to that. I will have to go back and listen, but it may I might me. have. Anything's possible. It may have been it's, me. I just it's late in New York eat. right now, guys. Right, right. I haven't eaten. My blood sugar level's probably low, and I'm not even diabetic. Yeah. Hey, you don't have to be diabetic to have low blood sugar. It's called hypoglycemia. So. I don't think I'm that either. <laughs> but but it's been a long time since I've eaten. Mm-hmm. Dude, Snickers. I love, why wait? <laughs> I bet you Chris Tucker told Charles Tucker to tell Trip to have that. To have a Snickers? Yes, because Chris is his uncle. His uncle. Okay. Uncle he's Chris. probably a good guy, too. Uncle Chris. Works for me. I, I will put that into my head cannon. I'm there. He also said. Never mind. We'll do that later. So we didn't we didn't have it as an isolated topic, but I'd like to mention Emery Erickson as well before we get to our final person. So Emery Erickson was a, a friend of... Uh, Jonathan Archer and Henry Archer, and he was the inventor of the transporting, uh, the transporter technology. And his son got lost in a transporter accident, and he went through hell and high water to try and get his son back, which I think is a pretty, you know, noble thing. Like it didn't turn out for the best, but he had the no. best intentions, you know. Like no, he, but yes, well, he had, and he worked his whole life at it. Basically, he yeah. had closure. You know, granted, he didn't get his son back for keeps, but he had closure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's better than not knowing. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely better than not knowing, but it's just really hard. Oh, absolutely. At the start, right. you know. So, absolutely. But in a mo, you know, in a private moment later on, if you told me well, you could either have not know at all or know that your son passed away trying to come out, what would you rather? I, you know, not knowing meaning that he's still stuck. I'd rather know. Yeah, me too. He doesn't for sure. come out for my kids. Then have him stuck. Yep. You yeah. know, it doesn't seem that way because not knowing means in your head you can still believe they're alive. But for my son's sake, I wouldn't want him stuck there. Yeah. Although, do we know if he's in pain while he's stuck there? 
It seemed like he was. It seemed like it yeah. was not a good experience. Yeah. So, yeah, then, yes. If he didn't, felt no pain, then screw my closure. But, well, well I, I mean, let's be fair. If he's not in pain, that's kind of selfish to want him to come out and die. Yeah. But yeah. if he's in pain, then I'd rather him come out and not live. But what if mm-hmm. he's lonely? What if the isolation okay. is worse than pain? See, I got, I got no, the impression that enough, there was but no time passing or anything. You know, it was just... He was just floating, right? He wouldn't have been conscious of anything, right? Because when he came out of it, he seemed confused. True. Right? When he came out of the trance. He could have been in a Hoshi dream. He could have been. <laughs> yes. In which case, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd rather him stay there. He's our family. But I do <laughs> I do commend the father because you have to know, right? You have to try and yeah. save him. It's not like he just did it to get closure. No. It's not like he said, I'm going to take him out and kill him. No, he wanted right. he, he wanted to save his son. Right, so he did it for all the right reasons, and he worked very hard for a very long time to do it. Yes. Yeah, and this, I don't know if I mentioned it, this is the episode, De- the name of the episode is Daedalus from season four. I'm not sure if I mentioned that or right. not, but. I should have included that in our notes. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I only went over crew members. Yeah. Well, should we hit our last topic? I think we should, because this is kind of an important one, right? Porthos! <laughs> <laughs> Who was actually a woman playing a man, playing a woman, playing a man. (laughs) Actually, it was a man and two women playing a man. I thought it was a dog. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Yeah, we should be saying male, right? Not man. A male and two females playing a man. Yes. Yes, because the male wouldn't listen, right? Is that what happened? Well, he just wasn't very playful or dynamic, and so they brought in the two ladies to do the fun stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, we went over that. It's in our archive. Go check it out. Yeah. The episode about Great episode Porthos. about Porthos. So, what we're going to talk about for our last topic is obviously the most important father, the one who invented the warp drive. Jonathan he didn't Archer's invent father. The warp drive. Come that was Stephen Cochran. Okay. <laughs> he invented, Let me start again. Invented, the one who invented this current generation of warp drive. That's true. He invented the warp five engine. So he the didn't really do anything. Generation. He just stood on the backs of great men. Oh, that's messed up. I don't Ooh. agree with you at all. <laughs> Oh, I don't agree with you at all. This that. is not. I'm kidding. No, no, I'm kidding. no, no. Wait, 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 wait. This is not a Bill Gates scenario. He didn't just buy the engine off somebody. Oh. <gasps> Whoa, the burns keep coming. Yep. Yep. Well, it's true, though. He paid $17,000 for Windows and he made a fortune. Good for him. Great businessman. Okay, I got to say, though, what Patrick said, though, I frequently get that impression of the way that Archer talks about him. I get, I forget about Cochran when I watch you do. Enterprise because I get the impression that Jonathan Archer's father, Henry, is the person that invented warp drive technology. Well, you know, just the okay. way that he talks so I got about it wrong. talking about the engine, my father's engine, my father's engine, you know. But it is his father's engine. Yes. Because what I said the first time was wrong, what I said the second time was correct. Right. He he developed the current generation of warp drive. Right. Because we wouldn't we wouldn't give I mean we would give credit for warp drive to Zephyrin Cochran, right? Right. But the current generation or we would give um credit to say Atari for video games, but we wouldn't give them credit for the PS4. True. That is that's fair. Although that's a te- yeah, but it's a terrible analogy. I, I know, but I know what you Atari mean. Atari just came out with their generation 5 t- Generation four system, but anyway, you get my point. Right? No, I do get your point, and and that's the thing is that yes, Zephyr Cochran started it all, but just because something works doesn't mean it can't be improved. 
And so they were constantly working to make a faster engine that could go up to warp five. And that was his father's lifelong work. And the Vulcans did a lot to interfere and slow him down, if you listen to the way Archer tells it. So... Right, and if you if you do look at it that way, right, you also have the the fact that despite the look, let's be real, we kind of knew this before Enterprise that the Vulcans slowed down the process somewhat, right? Mm-hmm. That that that's always been my impression anyway. So to find out that they did it a lot didn't really surprise me. It fits, yeah. so in my opinion, and the fact that he would that Archer would be so. The Warp 5 was, for whatever reason, maybe just because they needed it for a show, but that was kind of a milestone, right? Big yes. milestone. Yeah. So Right, and I, I mean, I don't know. We've seen chips go up to almost Warp 10, so I don't know why they picked this number, but they did for the show, and okay, that's great. That's probably so why they picked other... Warp 5 was because it was half of Warp 10, which is, you know. But, but the know, thing but that they forget that about that. Doesn't that seem kind of cheesy? Well, the thing that they forget about that is the curve changed, you know, like, you know, the, the I, I don't think it's ever been said online, but the general consensus in like people's headcanon and fan theory is that the warp drive scale got recalculated sometime between Star Trek six and encounter at Farpoint, you know, and warp five in Captain Kirk's time is not warp five in Captain Picard's time. Warp five in Captain Kirk's time is actually slower Right, and that's what accounts for things like them saying warp thirteen and warp fifteen and stuff in those weird episodes of the original Star Trek is because they changed the way the curve goes. And while I believe even in Next Generation at some points they've had, you know, examples of higher than warp ten, I'm sure they've said it. I can't think of off the top of my head. It was Threshold and Voyager that came up with the warp ten barrier. Right, and so most people generally consider warp ten as being you can't that would be everywhere, which is what they do in threshold, you know, so warp right. five in enterprise is not half the speed of warp ten in Voyager, you know it's, well, it shouldn't be, but it but it is right well it's it's like how when cars were first invented and what the top speed was of a car, and when they got a car that could go fifty miles an hour, that was a big freaking deal. And now right. we have no, it, now we have cars that can go two hundred and ten miles an hour, depending on what country you're in and if they let you do that. Well, yeah, there's a state in the United States that lets you do it, but no, I. I but it's a, that's a little different than what Brandon's saying. Is no, what I Brandon's know. saying is car fifty miles an hour wasn't really fifty miles an hour, but I think you just have to suspend disbelief. And warp five is half of warp ten from TNG. But well. Yeah, again, so yeah, like Warp 5 in Archer's time would be Warp 2 in Next Generation time. They just recalculate it. Right, but do you think the writers took that into account? No, I think they forgot about that. Right, they just, Warp 5 was half of TNG. Yeah. In my opinion, the way they portrayed it anyway. Look, the bottom line is they just showed a bunch of lights flying by and they kept going. True. So... Warp 5 could have been Warp 10 for all I cared. But they, they picked this number. They wanted it, like you said, half of 10. 5 was the big milestone. Because I don't think that Arch's father picked up the Zephyr and Cochran's engine and was like, I'm going to make this Warp 5. And just kept going. There was other people involved in places that maybe got to Warp 2 and 3 and 4 and whatever it was. You know, or maybe they got to 2 and a half and... 
than uh, Henry Archer picked up. But well, clearly his father is the the driving force in Archer's life, right? Right. True. Because this, really, this is really supposed to be about his father, not the engine. Right. But I, I got to keep talking with the engine because this is, this is making me think of something here. So, you know, we're kind of going off on a Screw you, Pat. <laughs> but, like... So Archer was... How old do you think Archer was in First Flight? Jonathan Archer. Oh, well, he had to be at least 70. Jonathan Archer? Jonathan Archer. Archer. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, In First Flight. Do you think he was in his 20s? I think... Yeah, yeah, 25 to 30. Yeah. Okay, so let's just talk about that. And I don't... Did we know... Did we ever find out when he died? When, When Henry Archer died? No. I don't think so. Okay, I don't, I don't know if we ever wait, found wait. that out or not. Um, but I'm just trying to, like, so if his goal, so he died in 2124 before his warf, first Warp 5 engine could be constructed, right? And so Archer is in the 2150s, he, so 25 years later. How old do you think Archer is? Like, how old is Archer in in Enterprise? How old is he supposed to be? So in 20, so. No, I know what you mean. I'm just saying, I know how old Scott Bakula is, but (laughs) that's not what we're talking about. Okay, so in 2121. Okay, so 2121 was basically the flashback scenes of Broken Bow when when they have that ship, right? So three years after that is when his father died. So he was what, 15 when his father died? So if his life's work is this Warp 5 engine and. You know, ten to fifteen years after his father died, they're just doing the warp two. It just it, it just seems odd that the warp five was his goal when they didn't even have warp two yet. You okay. Know? Or they were working on warp three. According to other sources, Jonathan Archer was born in twenty one twelve. Twenty one twelve. Okay, so mm-hmm. he was forty when he was the captain of the ship, basically thirty nine or forty. Yeah, that right. makes sense. Right. So. If he was born in 2112, so he was 12 years old when his father died. Yes. Okay, so if his father's life's work was this Warp 5 engine, and he died when he was 12, but they didn't even have, they probably didn't even have Warp 2 at that point. You know, so how could they be working on a Warp 5 engine when they don't even have a Warp 2 engine? How can the Warp 5 engine be his life's work? Because he was a visionary! Right, how do we know that... Maybe he was working on a warp two engine, but they modified that particular engine to warp five. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm being clear on my confusion, but you know. No, I, you are. You are. You, so the problem is, you if they're working towards two, then three, then four, like a normal science experiment would work. How could he possibly have been working on the idea of a warp five without warp two even existing yet? Yeah. But. Maybe the ultimate goal was always five, but he was getting them to two. Right. Then three, then four. But Archer, because it's his father. Look, we're getting the story from Archer, right? Mm-hmm. So Archer sees the ultimate end goal as five. Right. He ignores the other guys who worked on it after the death to get it fully to two, three, four, and five. See, well, it'd be interesting for... to see this timeline and, like, when did Zephram Cochran disappear? Like, I don't know my timeline for years. For when did he disappear? When did we talk about a metamorphosis in TOS? You know, like, I don't know. This is this could be an episode. Well, Zephram Cochran disappears. Hold on. I have that. Yeah, well, he's in the first episode of Enterprise. In 
he, but that's a, that's a Cochran's recording of a previous was, message, though. Right. Z- Cochran disappears in twenty one nineteen. Twenty one nineteen. Okay, so and Henry took his son. Jo- hold contact. on, I have info. Henry took his son Jonathan on a tour of the Warp Five complex and introduced the boy to Cochran. That was prior to this. Yeah. So prior to twenty one nineteen, there was already a plan for a Warp Five engine. Right. Which which makes sense, and yes, it would be his life's work because it would be his design. No matter whether other people worked on it, it was still Henry Archer's design of okay. the engine. So regardless of who else worked on it after that, it's still his original concept. But, I mean, we still give credit yeah. to Ford for the the assembly line, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's changed massively since... For time, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, so the ultimate, this is why I say, though, the ultimate goal was a Warp 5 engine, which kind of seems like a very arbitrary number, but was, did they give us an answer that, let's say, the Vulcans only got to Warp 5? Because other species that I'd heard, I'd heard, like I talked to them on the phone, but they had mentioned like Warp 6 and Warp 7, right? Right, but let me ask you a question. Just something you just mentioned, though. Like, but did not Ford invent the first vehicle, like the first car? No, they didn't. Okay, well, I don't know. No. Okay, we can. No, Ford up. didn't didn't invent the first car, but they invented the assembly line, which, by the way, was not even the automated assembly line. It was just people. I would work on it and pass it down, and you would work on it. And he basically the concept of an assembly line, which isn't the automated assembly line, but that's a. But the point is, we give him credit for all of it, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's not a far stretch to give Henry Archer credit for ultimately the Warp 5 engine, even though he only worked till Warp 2. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that maybe he pushed the government into the Warp 5 complex even existing. You know, politically. I don't mean like he like walked in there and like pounded his fist. No, no, it's his, it's his drive and his desire to do it, which inspired other people to finish the work. Well, correct. Yeah. Correct, and then Archer sees it as, you know, and now, you know, we have first flight, right, and he ends up getting to be the captain, right, of of the first ship that's going to go out. So he's going to see that as, I'm going to finish my father's dream. Right. Right. Look, my father passed away. Man, I've been very personal on podcasts lately. Um, My father passed away when I was only 14 years old. If I could find things to tag his name to like this, I would in a heartbeat. Agreed. Yeah. So I can understand how if if Archer's father passed away at we, we do we agree on like twelve ish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, twelve years old he would have been, yeah. Eleven okay. or twelve, yeah. So so let's say twelve. If if he passed away, he's going to find that as something to hold on to just to because he wants to have something tied to his father. Like I said, I'm thirty five years old right now and my father passed away when I was fourteen years old. And I can honestly say that if it wasn't for the picture up in my cabinet, I wouldn't even remember what the what the man looked like. And he looked like me. But I wouldn't remember seeing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So he I I ended up um following my mother's side of the family in terms of work. So I don't have that kind of connection. My father, he was a nuclear medicine tech, I'm an electrician, but Your mother was an electrician? If I could f- my my mom worked for the offices for electrical contractor, my uncle, grandfather, his brother and my great grandfather were all local union okay. mm-hmm. number three ele- electricians. Okay. 
All the way back to the very beginning of the founding of Local 3. But, so I have that connection on that side of my family. Right. But I don't have a connection like that on my father's side of the family. But if I could, I would latch on to that just as hard as, as Archer does for my entire life. Okay. You know, my obsession with, um, I can give you a for instance. So, if I was Archer, in Archer's shoes, right, the story that would be like that for me was, I played baseball my whole life, and my father played baseball till the day he died, and he played on a Tuesday night league, a Thursday night league, four games on Saturday, and two games on Sunday minimum. Mm-hmm. I I don't play that much because my wife would divorce me, but um, my mom was more accepting of that. But we were always there. It was bar leagues. You know, it was softball, but it was bar leagues, and times are different. At the end of those games. Judge my family how you want, people. We would all go back to the bar, you know, all the families, all the kids. And it was just, that was who, the only people that were in the bar were the families with the kids. So I drank a million Shirley Temples growing up. We barbecued and we had a great time. It was a totally different time than it is now. But, you know, when when my father, late in his life, I was I was getting very disillusioned with playing baseball, right? I know this doesn't have to do with a Warp 5, but... We're talking about I was getting very dis- I was getting very disillusioned with playing baseball and he passed away and I latched onto that sport like there was no tomorrow. There was no you couldn't drag me away from playing baseball at that point. Mm-hmm. I I played baseball. I, I still to this day I'm 35 years old. I still play softball. I coach my son. I watch it every chance I get because that was that's the most recognizable memory of my childhood. At two weeks old, I was on a baseball field. Now, obviously, I don't remember that. But at two weeks old, I was on softball fields with my father. And I can remember doing that my entire life. Snowflake leagues, which are winter leagues in New York, where they were played indoors or actually in snow, which sucks. (laughs) But I was there. We were allowed to stay. I was allowed to stay up late my whole life for the World Series. Didn't matter when they ended because it's the World Series. Didn't matter who was playing. It's the World Series. My son gets to do the same thing. You know, and... He goes to school the next day exhausted, but in my opinion, certain things are more important, and family traditions are more important, and this Warp 5 program, whether Archer's father got it all the way to the end line or not, is more important to Jonathan Archer because of how much he cared about his father. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, that's a little insight into me. Excellent. I love it. I'm glad you told that story, Patrick. That's great. I love yeah. it. Yeah. That's why we did it. I don't have a, I can't, I, I mean, I've got memories of my father. You know, like one memory I have of my father is he took me to this one place and we would have Tiger Tiger ice cream, you know, every time. Yeah. I never lived with my father. You know, my mom and him split up before I could even remember. And, you know, my, my dad hasn't been the best influence on me. He never called and, you know, very, very infrequently. I see him and I accept him for who he is now. You know, he's done a lot of drugs in his life, a lot of, you know, and it affects him and, and, you know, he's not the best role model, but I mean, like I accept him for who he is, you know, he's paranoid and he's into conspiracy theories and, and that's his thing. And I've just got to accept him for who he is. And, you know, I don't quite let it bug me, but, uh, I mean, I, I always have that memory. I remember Tiger Tiger ice cream with my dad when I was a kid and that's the fondest memory I have with him. Oh, is it my turn now? <laughs> if you want. Sure, I was going to jump in, but you can because you didn't give a story yet. Oh, well, my dad uh, passed away in 2005, 
due to complications from cancer. And so I had a lot of time with him, um, but still it was not what I consider enough. He was only 66 when he passed away. And mm -hmm. I feel like he was cheated out of his golden years because cancer is a jerk. And <laughs> I could say a lot ruder things, but this is a family show. So I think everyone understands yeah. the other things about cancer. Yeah. yeah. My my dad was actually I look like my father. I I there's a little bit of my mother, but mostly physically I resemble my father. And the, I never believed that until I was 16 years old and in high school. And I was a dead body in arsenic and old lace. And so I was dressed up like a man. You know, I had on a suit and, and you know, a man suit, etc. Had a fedora, etc. And my hair was pulled back and it was going to be under the hat. And uh, somebody was coming around and making us, manning us up, you know, giving us like stubble and making us look dead. And uh, when they finished with me, I turned and looked in the mirror and, and there was my father staring back at me. And I'm like, oh, oh, I finally see it now. Because I really just didn't see it up to that point. And the older I get, the more I see my father looking back at me from the mirror, which is not a complaint at all. My dad was one of those people who would just help anybody that needed it at any time. And he was the strong, silent type, but dang, he had a sense of humor. And uh, without my mom around, a really big potty mouth. <laughs> but... Oh, you're dead too? Yeah. He was, let's see, the thing is, is that we were raised LDS and swearing's a big no-no. So uh, that was something that uh, we pretended we never heard him say. If Yeah, we not. had, I was forced. One of my fondest memories. <laughs> this is a LDS, weird fond memory. LDS, that's the thing that Spock took at Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my fondest memories, which is, um, it's a weird memory, but I was eight years old if I remember correctly and my parents had rented Logan's Run now there is a long lost version of Logan's Run that was originally shown in theaters and in the very very early days of home video there was the same version on video there was a love scene that was taken out of that film and it there was explicit uh, sexual nudity in this scene my dad did not know this. We were watching it together and that scene happens and I'm sitting there thinking, I know dad didn't know this was in here. He would never have let me watch this, but he's not shutting it off. So we're okay. And then after the scene was over, my dad turned to me and he says, do not tell your mother we watched this. No, I can't, I can't tell you the amount of times I heard, do not tell your mother. And then something followed. My dad, when when I was really young, my dad thought he was slick, and he would like give people the finger on the road, but he would put down the um, the sun visor, you know. Mm -hmm. And then one day, my, I accidentally ratted on him. I said, "Mom, Dad keeps putting down the sun visor, and he keeps giving people a finger in the middle of his hand." So I was really little at that time. So then he realized maybe I should tell him what's going on and not just try and hide it. So everything after that was. All right, we're driving like 110 miles an hour inside, in and out of the tennis center. Don't tell your mother this happened. Or we went somewhere and, I don't know, I dropped an F-bomb as a little kid. It was, don't tell your mother this happened. <laughs> and, uh, that doesn't work with my so, kids. I do that and they just tell, my mom any, tell their mom anyways. Mom, dad did this. <laughs> it's, not, 
No, that's oh, not great. good. I, that that breaks the whole. Yeah, yeah, man. I didn't tell my mother anything until oh gosh, it was probably about five years ago that I finally told her that. So, and she just laughed. She thought it was hilarious. Right on. Well, I don't know. I think that's kind of our final thoughts. I think that's uh, that's our episode on fathers. What do you think? Well, I I personally feel that there aren't enough positive representations of fathers, even in today's media. And mm-hmm. it is lovely to see so many positive representations of fathers in Star Trek Enterprise. And yeah. I salute them all. I agree. I agree. Um, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. It, they always give the, the negatives to the father and the positives to the mother, but... I get where it comes from in society that a lot of times the father was missing or working or whatever, and it's easy to tell that story. But society is extreme; has changed extremely from those days. Fathers take a much bigger role in the day-to-day house living, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe it's just my house, but we my do a lot too, more. Like I, the amount of chores that I do, like I don't, I don't think that a lot of fathers do. I mean, like I do, I do the dishes right that's my chore you know my wife folds the laundry but i get i make sure that the loads keep going you know because you know they that's my chore that's what i do i get the groceries every week i go to the store and i get the groceries every week she pays for them but i get them you know like i do and i do she gets the the groceries in my house i hate grocery shopping i love grocery shopping i listen to i listen to great shot kid You know, over on the Nerd I, Party Network. I do more cooking. Kid and groceries. Yep. You know? I, I cook more often. I mean, I don't do all the cooking, but I cook more often. But, but okay, so, all right, I love my father. And, you know, I just talked about how he passed away when I was young. But his idea of cooking was setting a pizza box on fire because he turned the jets on and put stuff in the oven. Wow. You know, God love him. That was kind of what men knew about cooking back then. No, it was bad. That's, it was bad. That's I, however, can cook very well, in my opinion. And I like to. And I enjoy it. And I just think that times have changed. But the typical show is not showing that. Right. Like like you said, Brandy, it's just not. It's staying with the old stereotypes. And like, you know, Papa is a Rolling Stone. That kind of stuff. Right. And that's yeah. too bad. Because I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a good father. And I know I'm a good father. And I do a very good job with my kids. I'm not a perfect person. You know, I lose my temper with my kids. I raise my voice to them, and I wish I didn't sometimes. And But, you know, I'm a good father. And I, I like seeing positive father representations in shows, and I think Enterprise did a good job of that. And I, I that's why I have that idea for that episode with Trip. you know. Like, uh, I think that he's a he would be a great father, and I would like to see more of that. And I think that the experience that he had would end up with something like that, him wanting to go and see... You know what? What else could I be as a father? What else could I do? So, excellent. Right on. Yeah. It's been fun talking about fathers on on Enterprise today, but this isn't the only thing we've been discussing on the network. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. I wouldn't say it's totally different, but I would say there's some difference to it. Uh... Yeah, I did see some elements that reminded me of the Trouble with Troubles. And yeah, you know, certainly I'm not in a piece of the action. I can see that too. It does have that comedy element, just like those episodes do. But I think this is, this takes it a little further and is a little more mm. slapstick. Uh, yeah, than very those slapstick. So, um, 
But again, there's certain tones and certain elements that do remind me of those other those other episodes. So, warp five. I do want to mention also that uh, just something that this this came up when I was working on Nights of the Living Dead. George Romero hated the word zombie and didn't think of his creatures as zombies. But um, yes, and and it's one of the reasons why there's only some overlap between what we saw in Night of the Living Dead and everything you just described from from West African and and Caribbean folklore. Because of that, the, 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 the two, basically, you kind of got, you know, undead peanut butter and zombie chocolate, and you wound up with what everybody now thinks of as zombies. Meta Treks. Just imagine the worst case scenario that could happen, and, and look at all the bad things that have happened in history, and then you realize, hey, even if the, if the worst possible scenario unfolds, that's not too bad in the grand scheme of things right here in the present. I was going to say, some people read Marcus Aurelius, Riker goes to the holodeck. The 602 Club. I I definitely agree. I thought that the writer did a great job of portraying Han. And Han's a hard character to nail down. Because mm-hmm. I think he I think it was really hit and miss in the old legend stuff with Han. There were some books that really glorified him as a character and tried to turn him into something that he wasn't. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation on your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place is to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Brandy, where can people find you when you're not trying to save your children from being interdimensionally floating around space and beaming them back into reality? I totally would be doing that. But when I'm not doing that. Uh, gosh, guys, it seems like I've said these things a million times. Brandywine12 on Twitter. You can find me in the Babel Conference. DarkCornerPodcast.com. My husband Dave and I do a podcast. It is sweary. Don't let children listen. And I pop up from time to time on the 602 Club. Patrick, where can people find you when you're not staying up late with your son watching the World Series? Uh, well, when I'm not doing that, they can find me on the Babel Conference popping up from time to time. They can also find me at uh, Twitter at MagicDrop5, or they can find me over on The Edge, you know, on this network with my friend Amy, and that's about the only place they can find me. Brandon, when you're not uh, laying it all out there for the listeners, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. You can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with my good friends Chris and Tom, where we cover the Hitchcock movies on our podcast, Good Evening, and Alfred Hitchcock podcast what about Babel can we find you on Babel Babel Babel. yeah yeah and you can find me on the Babel Babel. once in a while and and, and what about that convention thing you said you wanted to start pimping
Oh, yes, thank you. Let's start again. Hold oh, on. We'll leave that part in. You can find me this July in Vulcan, Alberta at the Vulcan Convention. Thanks for reminding me. i got to start promoting that. Anybody coming to the Vulcan Convention in July, I'm going to be there hosting a couple of panels. I keep forgetting to mention it. There's going to be a trivia panel with lots of great prizes. and there's Get going on to the be, prizes. There's going to be a lot of prizes. We can't talk about quite yet. we got to keep it secret for now. No, but get them. But there's going to be great ones. Yeah, Brandy and Patrick have seen them, and we're going to start releasing information. Yes, you um, want these prizes. I'm thinking of getting on a plane for these prizes. You should. Definitely. I'd love I to should. see you. It's really far. It's, it's really far. far. I'm in New York. You could walk it there in like a day or two or five. <laughs> day or two. My wife might kill me. Thanks for reminding me, guys. I forgot. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. I didn't even think of it. That was all Brandy. Brandy, <laughs> you're the man. Well, sort of. Thank you. Thank you very much. I like being the man. Uh, and speaking of being the man. If- Down with the man! <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I just barely got to be the man. Don't start with the down with the man. Let me have a few I minutes. was doing that way before you were the man, but you just took their spot. Now we're doing it. Can we yeah. start calling you Mandy? Sure. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, that, that won't make sense to anyone who didn't listen to this episode. Absolutely okay. not. But if you would like to help shows just like these to keep coming to you each week, you can become, guess what, a patron on the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm if you don't know how to spell Patreon. It's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits. You can be on a roundtable podcast every month. And available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. You can find all of the information there. It requires a ton of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows every month, and we really appreciate any support you can give us, and we really hope you'll join the team. So once again, find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Yeah, but the internet really can't handle any more shows like this. No. Well, not exactly like this. (laughs) Too much awesome. We'd break the internet if we had Warp 6 out there. Broken! (laughs) Just... We, at this time, we'd like to thank our wonderful supporters of Warp 5. We have Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, and Chris Chibuzio. Thank you guys so much for supporting Trek FM as a whole, and specifically Warp 5. We really appreciate it. And what what else are we planning? You just tweeted out to the world. What kind of copies oh, yeah, are we I planning? guess if you guys want to know, I can tell you guys what's coming up here. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. So... Next week's episode, we are covering the the three episodes in the Augment arc. Uh, the week after that, we're doing a writer's room for a Mako story, and we're supposed to have Richard Marquez on from Earl Grey. Uh, the week after that, we're doing Essential Enterprise Season 3, and the episode after that, Bride of Frankenstein. And the episode after that, Season 4, Part 3, where we're covering the Vulcan arc, and we're supposed to be getting Jim Morehouse from Trek Ranks to come on, because that was the one that he was in. So that's the next uh, five episodes, I guess, that we've got coming to you. Awesome. And that'll be it for this episode of Warp 5. So keep calm and boom on.
Well, Fathers in oh. Enterprise is not the only thing we've been discussing this week. Man, he's just taking over the hosting jobs completely. Again. Dude. I was just opening the closing copy. You know what? Go ahead, Brandon. No, oh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, wait, wait, no, go ahead. <sighs> Talking about dads isn't the only thing we've been discussing on the network. <laughs> so take a listen to some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Maybe? Anyone? Patrick? Nope. Nope. Well, nope. talking about fathers nope. is not the only thing we're discussing here on the network this Wait, week. We changed so. it again. I thought Brandy was reading it. <laughs> I well, was trying to get the was... ball rolling. You... Uh, am I doing it? I'll am do I it. really doing I'll it? Do it? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. No, it's fine if I do it. I <laughs> do just, it. I thought I wasn't doing it. Okay. 